Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It is estimated that up to one third of us still regularly miss breakfast. Many put this down to time pressures in the morning, but with a little planning, I promise you can find a choice to suit your lifestyle. Research has shown that people who eat breakfast have more balanced diets than those who skip it and are less likely to be overweight and have reduced risk of certain diseases such as cardiovascular disease and diabetes. Eating breakfast may also help to improve mental performance, concentration and mood. That's three more good reasons to eat eggs in the morning. On your next supermarket list, add Clarence Court Free Range Eggs. I'm telling you, the rich flavor and color of their yolks really can make the most ordinary recipes extraordinary. You can find Clarence Court eggs in all the major supermarkets, including Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Tesco, Ocado. And to learn more, please visit clarencecourt.co.uk. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you with all the evidence-based advice you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well, and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, I'll be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. Social media has changed the way we consume news, products and, most importantly, each other. However, it's also shaping our expectations of reality, undermining our esteem and fueling obsessive social comparison. So... What can we do to make us mindful of the negative impacts of social media and to begin benefiting from the very best of our social world and what it has to offer? One fashion journalist turned influencer has charted her journey into the world of social media fantasy and she now wants to burst the bubble. Catherine Ormerod is the author and bestseller of Why Social Media is Ruining Your Life, in which she speaks of health professionals and global influencers to really understand the terrifying consequences and what we might be able to do about avoiding them. Catherine brings a wealth of reporting experience with roles at Sunday Time Style, Grazia and Glamour. So hello, Catherine. Hello. <laughs> um. I think on social media, yep. sometimes 
All you see is a procession of idyllic holidays and perfect bodies <laughs> with none of the context of what's actually going on behind the scenes. So social media is not really a reflection of anyone's lived life, is it? I don't think it could possibly be a reflection of anyone's lived life, to be honest, because unless you were posting first thing in the morning when you go to the loo when you get up and go to the kitchen and have you know you would have to have a kind of like panopticon level of videos installed in your house and even then there would be a lens that you knew was available that that was you know being shone on you which would change your behavior and change the way that you presented yourself so I don't think that you can ever believe that social media is representative of anything other than what people want you to see. That's so true. It reminded me actually when you said that of a Black Mirror episode that I saw <laughs> where I think they had a camera in their eye, but it was there 24-7. Yeah. It's quite daunting. And in your book, you uncover how our relationship with social media has you know, rewired behaviour patterns, it may have destroyed confidence and shattered attention spans. Does anyone have a chance of enjoying a healthy relationship with it? Look, this is brand new technology, you know. Um, uh, human beings have, in the past, um, struggled at the sharp end of change, and that's really where we are at the moment. Um, it's going to take a generation or two for us to assimilate this new technology into our lives in a more healthy way. But, you know, if you think of all of the moral panics and huge social anxieties there were around television or computer games or, believe it or not, the novel in the 17th century, you know, uh, you know, at different um, times, media has caused a huge amount of uproar because the way that it does change our relationships to each other and our expectations of what life should look like. And, you know, social media is obviously being the most invasive and full-on version of that that we've experienced so far. But, you know, I like to believe that if you go into it with a really healthy mindset, which you you have to kind of develop offline, mm. <laughs> um, you can really take the best and leave the worst behind. I think that's very good advice. My next question was actually going to be, I mean, how can you allow it to help you rather than hinder your career or your relationships? Yeah, I mean, I think the reason that... Um, I think a lot of people that have really come to it and are, are starting to talk about like the, the more healthy way of using it, quite often you'll find they're people who have lived their life offline and online. So they're probably people like me, the older end of millennial kind of generation who had school and university without social media. Um, and then this unleashed onto their life and, you know, the past five or six years to such a huge extent and you take a little step back and you can remember what it used to be like. Yeah. And I think that allows you to evaluate, evaluate the good and the bad. And when you really start to think about, actually, this is what it's brought to my life. This is, um, you know, such amazing applications of it. These are the people I've met. These are the worlds that have been opened up to me. It isn't all bad. I mean, then you step away and also think, yeah, it also has made me feel poor and like I needed to buy things and that I didn't spend any time doing things that I was actually interested in. I've been involved in this massive time suck of five years of my life. I suddenly don't think that I'm very attractive or very slim and I worry about the state of my relationship because of this content that I'm shoving down my throat all day long. And, you know, one of the things that I always talk about in the book is, you know, we've had this huge revolution in nutrition, which obviously you know all about yes. um but you know we really believe you are what you eat 
it's exactly the same. There's a reason it's called a feed. It's, you know, you get to choose what you view, what you put into yourself. And really, ultimately, that forms your experience. Mm. You know, it really molds it. So you have to remember that you're the one in control. You can choose what you're putting in and then it has a massive impact on what you get out of it. I think that's such a valuable advice. I often talk about, um, obviously, nutrition's a, it is actually incorporated now. I mean, a large part of my business is on social media. Yep. So I can see the positives, but the difference is it's not me as a person, it's my business. Yeah. And I think, like you said, consumers have a responsibility to monitor what they consume. Content creators should also be responsible. There's loads of different factors here. There are, for sure. To consider. There are, but, you know, we hear a lot, um, just mute or unfollow the people that don't make you feel good. And that's good, of course, like baseline advice. But what you hear very little of is invest time in finding people that inspire you, that change your view of the world, that give you a more representative view of what the world actually looks like, that open your mind or, you know, inspire you to go to a different art gallery or read a different book. I mean, how much time have you spent in the past month researching these Mm -hmm. people that could enrich your experience on social media most people haven't spent a minute you know and they've maybe gone to the explore page where they'd have been fed more people like they've already been following and if you've been drawn at the beginning to following you know six foot australian models well you just carry on following more of those and then suddenly you're like you look in the mirror and you're not so happy with what you see (laughs) I know and in a way I think it's so sad because we can sometimes interact more through our phones than we do in real life like you just said and do you think it's the addictive nature that comes from the validation we get from others that perhaps we wouldn't hear in real life like retweets or likes oh for sure I mean look we are hardwired for validation um, and especially social validation we are social beings first and foremost and that's the reason that social media has been so incredibly potent because it does give you that validation and make you feel part of a community and that's what we all crave you know it's it's fundamental to the way our brain operates I guess the issue is like there was always it's called Dunbar's number this kind of you know uh, anthropological research to say that in your community there'd be about 150 people now if you're following maybe 10 20 times that amount of Mm. people and you're forming all these loose ties to them and potentially spending so much time with them that you're not interacting with people IRL it's a very strange moment for this anthropological uh, you know standard that we've had for decades because you know you're connected and hearing a lot of noise about other people's lives that we never ever would have before um and i think then when you add into that before of those 150 people you'd look at them and someone would be doing worse than you and someone would be doing better and you've kind of got an idea of what normal was now everyone's doing better than you because all we show are our very best moments very very rarely will I look through Instagram and be like oh man she is having a terrible time or like she looks really (laughs) rough you know of course these days we're much more um, likely to open up about the more gnarly sides of life as well but in general you do see this gloss and of course that completely reframes your understanding of what normal means Mm. 
you think that normal is so far further up the scale. You know, if you don't have a four-bedroom house and if you're not driving a four-by-four and if you don't have two children and an amazing boyfriend by the time you're 29 or 30, then you're not really, you know, performing in comparison to your peers. And I think that's where the rot sets in. Gosh, I could literally, I mean, I I loved reading your book and I could listen to that all day. And I think there's so much to do with comparison theory and the way we validate ourselves based on the others around us. It actually got me thinking, this is a bit off topic from this particular podcast, but about the dating world. I mean, Mm. it's now so different because of the fact we're all online. Like you said, it's not your fishing pool anymore in your local town. Oh, no. I mean, I remember growing up, like everyone had kissed everyone, you know, there was just (laughs) such a limited number of options that you all kind of went round in circles and now don't get me wrong I think it is amazing that my mum met her husband online yeah they've been married for 18 years you know it's like it's incredible and there's no way they would have ever met ever in a million years and I think we've all got friends that have fantastic stories and after my divorce I I did a lot of online dating and it really Mm. helped me get back on track and I met my current partner in real life now um (laughs) but you know it had given me experience, which I would haven't had. Like, he yeah. would have 100% been the first date post yeah. my ex-husband because there's no way I worked in fashion. It was only women, you know, that I worked with and there was just no opportunity to meet no. anyone. And that kind of dating moment really, you know, it unleashed me. It gave me an opportunity. Yeah. Oh, to... I like it. Unleashed you. <laughs> yeah. We had Catherine out in the world at that point in time. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, and I think the problem, the research really shows is the problem happens is when online dating becomes like prolonged and part of life. Mm. And, you know, you started doing it at the beginning and it maybe it made you feel better about yourself and you got that validation and then... You know, you're going on three dates a week and it carries on for three, six, nine, twelve months and you start to really lose faith in the whole thing. And yeah. that's obviously understandable. It's exhausting. I think it really can be. I have a lot of, obviously in my clinic, I hear a lot more than just the nutrition side of my clients' lives. So I hear the positives and the cons to yeah. media and dating platforms all the time. But it's ironic that a platform that was designed to be a connection for people and bring us together has also become toxic and addictive. I mean, how much screen time is too much? Yeah, it's really difficult, isn't it? I mean, I have quite high screen time, but I use my phone a lot for work. And I think a lot of us do these days, you know, you wake up in the morning, you answer the urgent emails. I, you know, worked in a lot of research. And as a journalist, you spend ages and ages going through articles here and then you could very easily spend two hours from the New York Times to, you know, Daily Telegraph or whatever. And that's then you add in, you know, you you went on Deliveroo or you (laughs) went on Uber and, you know, bought something from Amazon and then spent 45 minutes on Instagram through the day. Suddenly, Suddenly it it starts adding up. Especially the scrolling of feeds and things. I think that's when it becomes not as helpful. Yeah, I mean, we all have to have our eyes completely open to the fact that millions and probably billions and billions of dollars have been pumped into making these platforms as addictive as possible. Because the more eyeballs they get, the more money they get. And Mm. however much we're like, wow, look at this fantastic free service. Like in this life, nothing comes for free, Mm. (laughs) you know. And they are getting not only your data, which we all know the, the layers of worry around that, but also your time. And your time is the most priceless thing that you have in life. 
So, you know, you have to really, really um, keep it in mind that, you know, if there's this new, ooh, exciting filter, uh, the only reason that exciting filter has been developed is to steal more of your time. And it's something you said in the book as well when I was reading it. Um, and I think I could relate to this. I've definitely done this. I'm not ashamed to admit it. But when you're on the toilet and you're sat scrolling your phone, I think there's a stat in your book that so many people do that. Yeah, of course. And you do worry about hygiene. Yeah, exactly. You're like, oh my goodness, quickly put the phone down, like get a wipe on that. But yeah, you know, if yeah. you're in an office, nine to five, and maybe you've got someone over your shoulder, it's like that moment, isn't it's it, where you can time. check in. But, you know, I, I think in, in so many instances where it really shouldn't be used, it is being used. I, I do exercise classes with like 45 minutes long and the amount of people that can't get through that 45 minutes with checking in on their apps you know it's it's an interesting one I think obviously you came from the fashion world originally Mm -hmm. and if we're going to talk about comparison a little bit more I think comparing bodies to one another is something I think we do far too much and something perhaps you saw you you must have seen it in the fashion world before even social media platforms but do you think we're finally starting to see a change there? Look, I I actually really think that social media has been amazing for the democratisation of different body shapes and role models um, and bringing people from all colours, all creeds, all backgrounds, all, you know, sexes, or, you know, whichever gender you want to define yourself as, all of those things, it's amazing. And if we're honest, there are incredible things about magazines which we've lost by going um, into social media, but diversity is not one of them. It's amazing. One of my friends, Chessie King, is um, doing quite a lot in terms of the body confidence world. And like you said, diversity of ethnicity and different cultures, the exposure to it is just wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest, you know, we used to run features and there would only be slim white women in it. And, you know, it wouldn't, there wouldn't even be anyone. Occasionally you get a reader writing in, but people just presumed that that's what affluence looked like. That's what aspiration looked like. It looked slim, white, female around 30 to 40 with, you know, tons of money. Wow. That was generally what we featured in all magazines. And, mm. it, you know, I, I was as complicit as anyone else, but our eyes weren't open in the same mm. way. And we, you know, we just didn't think that there were... It was really difficult to try and find people from all walks of life to to feature just because the networks weren't there. It was really difficult to reach out to people that weren't in your immediate environment. And when you look at how white and monolithic media was back then and how difficult it was to get into it, you know, from a, a elitist and quite closed nepotistic world... It's really difficult. It was you know. awful. Even being a um, so I, I my background is the music industry, mm-hmm. and even myself having what they call now as white blonde privilege. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm accepting that is the thing, and I've been extremely lucky. But even back then, it seemed impossible to get into those magazines, and the the money, and like you said, the elitist kind of dream just seemed worlds away from the yeah. background I was from. Hundred percent, you know, and um, so you kind of had to fake it till you make it. And mm. I have to say that my, you know, my magazine career really set me up perfectly to be on social media. Yes, it did. <laughs> it really because did. smoke and mirrors was what it was all about. You know, we Completely. were all we were all earning fourteen grand, but you know, yeah. prancing around in three hundred pound shoes. Oh, it it's just you know, showbiz. What we used to call it, it's showbiz, darling. Um, <laughs> but what can help people if they're really struggling not to compare themselves to others online? So, what do you recommend to get to do 
Well, I think that you're not going to find the answer online. Mm. That's the first thing. I think it's really work that you have to do within yourself. Um, and it's really being, you know, having your eyes open to the reality of the way people around you live, you know, and not just believing what you see. It's connecting with your friends and talking about things on a deeper level and really understanding that struggle is universal, you know, no matter what it looks like. And, you know, some people are completely up to them. You know, of course, they're not going to share their inner turmoils, but, you know, there isn't anyone in the world, you know, privilege doesn't insulate you from tragedy. It's you know, we all have parents. At some point, they're going to die, you know. Mm. Infertility is a, a universal, you know, mm. issue in most groups of friends. There's, you know, body issues or career issues or bullying in the workplace or, you know, issues in your marriage. And it all it's all such hard work. It's all relative. It is. And I, it's like you can't... No one has this jacket that they can put on and go through that and miss it all. And I think... When you really realise that and really take that on, you start to view social media more for what it is, i.e. a showcase of the best parts. Um, and I think you need to really analyse what you're doing on social media and what you're showcasing and then really remember that's exactly what everyone else is doing. Mm -hmm. So the number one thing, I think, is human connection. It's the best antidote to having that. And, you know, have a conversation with a friend and say, it's really getting me down. And you will be shocked at the response because it will probably be me too. Yeah. And then, you know, over a glass of rosé, you can discuss it and you feel supported. And, you know, it's like this. the, the big problem with social media is we consume it on our own, often at the, you know, the small hours the morning even but you know late at night first thing in the morning when our brains are on the edge of subconscious anyway and we believe the messages we see if you look at something at 2 p.m in the afternoon yeah. it just doesn't resonate in the same way as it does when you're in your bed on your own in the dark at 11 30. Oh internalizing everything yeah is just exactly so worrying. I think it's it's equally so it's it's the, the answer is from a philosophical and attitude point of view, but it's also being disciplined with yourself. No, it's very good advice. And we know that, you know, when you're in a bad place, you make bad decisions for yourself. So it's really trying to turn that around and being honest with yourself. If something like, you know, viewing too much social media is making you feel bad, then stop doing it as much. Yeah, ironically, the word social media, but actually we want you to be social away from the media. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> with your own friends and families. And you mentioned, obviously, from coming from a fashion world, mm -hmm. paid advertisements now, the way it's viewed yeah. perhaps has changed. You know, it may used to have been seen as selling out, but now a sign of success. Um, people have adopted different ways of working. And I personally have worked with brands on social media myself, nutrition-related. However... Many fashion influencers, you know, they tag the brands they're using in photos. It's not always clear, even though they're meant to put it, if it was purchased or gifted. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you, you're doing this in a reputable way, you hold yourself to pretty high standards. Um, and I'm always super clear about what's what. Mm. Um, sometimes almost 
I feel like you go too far, <laughs> you know. And yeah, it's like, yes, I bought this nine years ago at a boot sale at a reduction of seventy percent. You know, know. <laughs> it's like I have to put disclaimers <laughs> now underneath. If I make a, if I make a chocolate brownie recipe, this is how distraught it's now got. I have to write disclaimers under my recipes saying this isn't intended for weight loss because people assume I'm a nutritionist. That every recipe I put on is so sad. Uh, well, you know, I un- I understand that you know p- people feel fooled, and I I do understand that of course mm. difficult for me coming from a magazine background is all I'm going to say <laughs> because you know advertisers were featured on and still are featured on magazine pages because those brands pay for advertising pages that's you yes. know that's how the business model goes yeah. um so it is funny that new media is being held under such extreme amount more scrutiny than traditional publishing. You'd think it, that the ASA would want to make it very clear across both the boards. And, you know, I often go on trips where there'd be editors from magazines and they'll be being paid for to be there and their flights and all of that stuff and the clothes they're wearing. And there's never any explanation in a magazine, whereas... You know, every single story that I put up, I'm like, I'm on a gifted press day. Yes. You know, it's yes. like a, a whole thing. So, but at the end of the day, transparency can only be a good thing. Definitely. I think lifestyle blogging seems to be all about monetizing good taste and consumer choices, but that does make it sometimes near impossible for lay people to tell if an influencer genuinely loves a product, if they're being paid to talk about it. Like we said, being open and honest, but surely everyone loves free stuff. And my problem with this is that it's encouraging future generations to see a life where perhaps everything is handed on a plate. Yeah, I mean, nothing comes for free. That's the reality. And building up a strong enough audience to attract brands to send you free things isn't an easy feat no you know um a lot of work goes into it i personally invest a huge amount into photography for example Mm. i pay photographers you know for tons and tons of pictures which i'm not being paid for but i invest in the you know quality content so i create this platform and then sometimes some brands will come along and they will help me pay for it you know so it's, it's a really tricky thing obviously if you want to run a business and take care of a family and this is part of what you're doing and how you're doing it, if someone offers you money and it's something that you like yeah. or you don't horrifically hate, you know, <laughs> then you're going to try and make it work. And when I worked on magazines, we would have to make things work all the time, mm. you know, and that was the skill yeah. that you would be told this brand has advertised this month go into their stores or on their lookbooks and find the very best thing. Yes. And that's what you bring to your audience. And that is really the skill that I honed, um, you know, and over a decade on working magazines. So I truly believe that in most senses and across all budgets, and I think that's really important as well, I try and make what I do accessible to every price point because, you know, I've lived in London on no money. and Oh, gosh, the porridge dinner days in my... Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And I do think that there's, a you know, a lot of snobbery around that kind of thing. But Mm. pretty much I think that you can generally, obviously there are some exceptions and there are brands that I wouldn't work with normally for ethical reasons to be honest but in general I feel like if you go in there with an editor's eye you can find something fantastic and that's what fashion and taste should really be about not just oh I can go to Loewe and wear a full look and you know wear a Chloe bag and x y and z and your whole outfit costs 10,000 pounds like to me that's money and not 
necessarily style, style or taste. Yeah. You know, I feel like I can go into a store and buy something that was £20 and wear it with something that was £300 and something else that was 42 and, you know, bring something together and look expensive. And that's really what I try and bring to Oh, I love table. how you speak about fashion with, with, with such passion as it rhymes to come out. <laughs> I know. Because it's amazing. It just, After yeah. all these years, I still care. You do still care, <laughs> which is really nice to hear, actually. It's made me see things in a different light as well. It, it's so lovely to hear because obviously I have such a passion for my area of nutrition and it's just... It's lovely when you get different viewpoints coming in, which is incredible. And Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. On the topic of the reward that we get back, I know that in your book you discuss the impact it can have on our behaviour. Can you expand on that a little bit? Well, you know, on like the blunt end, obviously the fact that we're bringing our phones into environments that we never would have before... You know, the photographs taken at meal times, some very strange behaviours that I explored in the book. For example, <laughs> did you know that IKEA was a big place for Tinder pictures? No, I So people no will go idea. into IKEA, go into one of those, like, you know, built up rooms and take no. pictures for IKEA, uh, IKEA as if that's their house. <gasps> no! <laughs> you know bizarre behaviors in terms of how we're trying to project the reality of our life and I think obviously the the tricky side of that is that we feel that what we have isn't good enough and you know when you come home and if you've spent time I don't know editing your pictures to make you look slimmer or you know smoothing your skin to make Mm -hmm. it look poreless when you look in the mirror it's never going to compete. I have a real um Well, on the Food for Thought podcast in general, we try and speak out about this kind of thing all the time. But I have a real concern about the amount of airbrushing and things that are now in the public's hands. It was bad before it was obviously in magazines, but the fact that everybody can do it at any age now, and they're they're advertised these um, face-tuning apps and things to young kids who are going in, and that's setting them up to have body dysmorphia from a very young age. Well, you can buy ones to improve the looks of your baby. Which your is, baby, yeah. So you you put in your baby picture and like and like increase the size of their eyes to make them look cute. So I didn't know um, that. That's or, that's, you know, ter- that's so terrible. It's, it's right from you know when kids are only months old, they can be um, improved 
I mean, you know, lots of people use those bunnier Snapchat mm. filters on their kids, don't they? So, oh, my goodness. But, you know, it is, it's definitely, you know, that every time you use Photoshop, you're telling yourself, you're reminding yourself that you're not good enough. Mm, yeah. And we all are good enough, you know, no matter what shape and size, because ultimately beauty isn't really about what we look like I know it it sounds really old-fashioned but it's like you are a package and I think we've forgotten that we're a package where our personality and our vivacity and our intelligence and our you know emotional empathy and our career success and our relationships and you know with the mixture of all of that and the excessive focus on just one small well, side Well it's hard to that. express on image based platforms. Exactly, exactly. Which is where I think the problem definitely comes in and what about backlash and people so we get bullying, bullying online mm. and negative comments negative feedback how can people distance themselves from this because this is something that definitely um, I know is on the rise online bullying oh for sure but I you know the government um, recently issued new advice and it's just to block and completely give no airtime. Yeah. and I really believe that I don't know if you've seen many of um, Brené Brown's um, I love Brené Brown you know, talks and yes. really reminding yourself that they are not in the arena they're not even in the cheap seats mm-hmm. these aren't people that are you know, communicating with you on any level except for to vent their own self-hatred. And it's, you know, it it makes them feel better about themselves to try and make you feel worse. And if you turn around and say, I'm a dangerously confident woman and nothing you could possibly say can dent me, Mm. could dent me or my security, um, you know, shut it down. I think that that's the, the number one don't give them any airtime at all because that's what they're looking for. Well, we all, I think the worrying thing is um, trolling, as, as we now mm-hmm. call it. I mean, I've experienced it even on the nutrition platforms. I found it a bit of a shock at first. I thought, well, I'm just a health professional here, but obviously I'm putting myself out there and I had to get very used to that. But the fact that it now affects people that just have their own family and friends following them. Anybody can be anyone online. And there is an element now as well with programs on Netflix coming out. I don't know if you saw You. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Terrifying. Yeah, that absolutely terrified me. Anyone that hasn't watched this, maybe think twice before you do. Although it's a good (laughs) eye-opener. It really taught me never get a shot of where I live in my Instagram story, the street I live on, where I'm going at the exact time. Yeah, I mean, look, I try, I've never, like, I've never geotagged anything because I'm like being obsessed with fraud for a long time. Oh, yeah. But um people could work it out. Yeah. It, you know, and I'm really, really careful. But I think if you really tried hard, you know, you can find anyone's name on the electoral roll and I know that as a journalist. Oh <laughs> you my know? goodness. Like I was married to a news reporter. You can find a lot of information about people in the public domain. Um and it's there and all you're doing is feeding that information like I don't ever publicly on social media celebrate my birthday or my family's birthdays because I don't want anyone to know our dates of birth you know it's it's I mean those if that information's out there that information's out there forever it is interesting when you look at what people um I don't know if you've ever done this but when I was setting up the company retrition and going for all the legality mm-hmm. stuff, um, they said, have you ever Googled yourself and see what people search? 
And like the top thing was Rhiannon Lambert age. Oh, age is always age. there. I, like, I've got age, ex-husband, <laughs> yes, weight. husband. Those are my three yeah, things. Wait, yes. You're like, awesome. Yeah. This is such a positive reflection of where we are in 2019. <laughs> it, you know, it really it really kind of made me think, oh my goodness, thank goodness I don't actually talk about that stuff quite, you know, personal, yeah. personal things. But now social media realistically hasn't really been around for that long, has it? Do you think that we're at the you know, the tip of the iceberg or do you think we haven't really seen the effects it can have on people? I mean, I don't think we've seen the effects that it can have on people, but I do think that there's already such a big movement towards this kind of, you know, humane tech. I think that as, you know, basically all of this bad news is bad for business. You know, anything, if, if we continue consuming this product and it has negative impacts on our health, that is bad for business. So, ultimately things have to shift although I would say with the caveat I don't believe that you can really trust the people that are profiting off the back of your um, potential misery if we're honest are really the ones to go to for solutions but you know I do believe that there will be a movement within that tech industry especially as younger people who have grown up with social media um, you know a complete digital natives become part of workforce um, the workforce, their their opinions and attitudes are obviously going to shift the way that technology is um, developed and that will uh, undoubtedly change things. I also think that we're starting to have education in schools. I'm now a parent of a child and I understand 100% what this whole system is. I've worked in it. I, you know, I know all of the back doors and the quirks and you know, obviously written a book about it. Yeah. So. Whereas, Would you keep your child free from online use for as long as possible? I think for as long as possible, but as long as possible, it was different for every child, yeah. you know. Um, and, I, you know, I, children are always going to rebel. They're always going to find a way around your rules and your advice. And I think the only thing you could possibly do as a parent is to keep the channels of communication open and just be super honest about what's out there, the threats out there, and just say if something has disturbed you or is very strange or whatever, just tell me about it and I can help you deal with it. I think you can't protect them from the world, either online or offline. That's the most difficult thing about being a parent you know it's you have to let go to a certain extent and like you said it could be the making of them so equally the opportunities that now present themselves exactly I think you know if you've got if you've got a daughter you really want to say don't send any naked pictures of yourself you know especially with your head in it oh I know (laughs) you know and it's um and who'd have thought you'd even have to have that conversation I know and I I do think that those you know there are some real red lines where things can potentially continue to ruin your life for a long time um and you know if you use homophobic or racist language online even if you're under 18 that is written in pen and will be forever and you know when an employer searches out your information and maybe they find that and okay maybe you were 15 when you wrote it you probably still aren't going to get a job when you're 23 so you know it's it there is definitely that education piece that needs to be there and I do feel like uh, you know the family is who have children now who are maybe like 20 or whatever when they were 15 their parents probably were completely illiterate in the world of digital technology yeah. um so you know these conversations weren't happening 
So I do think we have probably turned a corner in that, you know, at least we have the vocabulary to keep these channels of communication That's open. That's great to hear. And thank goodness we've got you on this podcast discussing this because more people will listen that perhaps hadn't thought of these elements that they need to discuss with their children. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's like everything. We teach kids how to cross the road. We teach them to run away from scary men, you know, <laughs> or, you know, and any man oh, or no, woman definitely. trying cross to, the other you know, side of the road. Exactly. Yeah, all I remember. Of, you know, all of that stuff and you know that the reality is in 2019 these are the things that you know children need advice on as well because it's we've got this whole other realm of life where a lot of their life will be lived um so it is it's just just being really clear about the hard lines a hundred percent um from my avenue it's shaping their relationship with food in a positive way that food should be social and it's not perfectly preened images Mm. and the amount of disordered eating behavior I encounter in clinic is terrifying. But we have questions from people now that I would like to ask you that you will not have been privy to. Fern has asked, I feel like I have more friends on my phone now than in real life. Mm. But everyone's like that now, aren't they? Do you know what? I don't think everyone no. is like it. I think that there are lots of people like it. I, don't, I mean, you know, I, I really do think that it is a, a big part of you know our contemporary times that we often feel more connected to people with it, that we have very weak ties with um rather than like a, a deeper relationship mm. but you know ultimately i i would never say that friends online are worse than friends offline you know there are incredible communities of people who would have been completely alienated in their lives if it weren't for social media you know people with illnesses or mobility issues and they've been able to develop you know incredible relationships online and who are we to say that they're any lesser than you know relationships in real life and the last question mary has said and this is a little bit concerning i'm worried about the amount of cosmetic procedures my daughter's getting influenced um by Mm. others so how do i get her to love herself for her i mean again this is a process that goes on through all our lives, you know. I I interviewed quite a lot of plastic surgeons for the book and it was really concerning. They um, told stories quite often of individuals, very young individuals coming in with face-tuned pictures or Snapchat filtered pictures and saying this is what they want their face to look like. And their big concern was, you know, in previous times, of course, people will come in and they would have one issue. It would be like they don't like their nose, they don't like their chin, and they would change it and feel empowered by that and move on with their life. Now people are coming in and asking to change their face. Yeah, We just all need to yeah. take a moment and say, you know, not everyone wins the genetic lottery. And that's okay. It's okay because, you know what, you've maybe won the lottery in a different area of your life or that there's, you know, something else. And happiness is not based purely on how you look. And believe me, I work with some of the most beautiful VIP clients you could imagine who are not happy either. So that moves me on to the fun part of the podcast, the fact or fiction round. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. So if you could answer fact or fiction to the following, are you ready? Mm -hmm. Okay. 81% of teenagers felt social media has a positive effect of their lives. You know, that could be fact. Okay. Instagram is rated as the worst social media platform when it comes to its impact on young people's mental health. That's fact. (laughs) Instagram's new policy now hides all pseudoscientific claims from brands. 
In what? Oh, it hides them. That is the plan, isn't it? That it well, will uh, it's I, I, a dream. I'm, yeah, it's the dream. So <laughs> it's it's fiction right yeah. now, like science fiction, but hoping to one day be fact. One day, come on, Graham. <laughs> um, how they'll do that, I have no idea. Forty-two percent of consumers use social media to assist in their healthcare decision making. Oh, that's probably fact. Yeah, everyone should have at least one social media cha- channel difficult i mean i believe that is the case because when um hr professionals were analyzed year before last 50 percent of them said they wouldn't hire someone without a social media (gasps) account oh my goodness so uh, you are kind of shooting yourself in the foot if you don't have any level of platform and the, the big reasoning behind it was that people felt that it made you appear you had something to hide Oh, really? I I quite value the lack of social... uh, Interesting. I always think, like, if it was a guy, he's got no social footprint, you're like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) But I think from an employment point of view, I think they want to make sure they've done their background check and yeah. have been able to tick a box That's and so if it's not there no mm, yeah well 41% of instagram users say it makes them feel anxious sad or depressed i mean if it's only 41% i'm surprised but yes f- f- fact social media is fueling higher rates of depression among girls than boys yeah, that's fact 66% of people have difficulty sleeping after using social media fact but i'll go more anyway yep <laughs> don't worry the royal society of public health has described social media as more addictive than cigarettes and alcohol yeah that's fact oh my goodness when not triggering feelings of envy social media has positive effects on well-being i mean it can it's all about the way you use it it's about the headspace that you go into it with and i always say if you're having a really crappy day and you're on your period and you feel really vulnerable Mm. don't go into social media yeah i think around (laughs) especially for women listening around that time of month that is solid advice that was an excellent fact or fiction around Catherine. thank you um and that nearly wraps up this episode but as with every guest we ask to finish with a food for thought so mine today would be that social media was created to be a positive outlet, um, a platform for people to express themselves, but it now has become, as we've discussed, um, an avenue potentially of quite a bit of negativity. And some young people that have never known the world without social media now give away information without thinking or knowing the consequences. As we said earlier, um, Catherine doesn't put her birthday on or special dates. Just don't give people an opportunity. Perhaps keep a little bit back for yourself. You can get sucked into a world of online games and dangerous online trends, which is something I see in my clinic all the time, especially dangerous dietary advice. Although most of us know all of this, we largely decide that we don't want to give up on social media after all. We don't want to be gripped by FOMO, the fear of missing out, and we can scroll through perfectly curated Instagram posts capturing people's happy moments and ask ourselves, why aren't we as happily fulfilled with life? So I think um, we just need to realise that it isn't real like we touched on at the very beginning together, that we need to spread the message that there's no such thing as the perfect life, no matter how great it may look online. And together we have the power to spread awareness and positivity and being open and sharing how we struggle can help change the relationship future generations have with their phones. Um, So 
that's my waffle, Catherine. Yeah. If, if you could share with everyone something you think would really benefit our listeners. Yeah, I mean, I had a little think about this. I mean, we touched on it beforehand about how to curate, um, you know, a social media experience that's positive for you. And I think that the best thing you possibly can do is don't do this online. Take a piece of paper and a pen, old school, um, and write down the things that inspire you about life. What are you interested in? What are your interests? Is it a specific sport or a specific artistic movement or a type of food or travel or, you know, write all of that down and then maybe write some of the things that you aspire to. Might it be certain careers in certain areas? Are there certain speakers that really appeal to you? Um, And finally, write what you think you would like the world to look like. Um, And I think if that includes people of all colours, sizes, creeds, you know, and people that inspire you to maybe make change along the realms of sustainability or, um, you know, changes in the political structure of things. Writers, you know, people that have, have... really manage to have something to say let's say if you write all of this down then look at who you're actually following on social media and everyone that doesn't reflect an element of that unless they're like a colleague and it would be super awkward (laughs) to unfollow them just get rid of it and then go on a quest to find the people that really fulfill all of these areas for you these accounts and build up something and you know one of those things it can be fashion or it can be Mm. shoes I'm not saying it all has to be incredibly deep and you know um worthy it can be whatever you like maybe it's motorbikes maybe it's salmon fishing maybe it's pottery you know we all have our own idiosyncratic um you know tastes and interests just make sure that what you're consuming is really serving you um and you know you will have an exponentially different relationship with social media after really doing that level of you know it's almost Marie Kondoing your feed I think is it bringing you joy you know and probably there are a lot of accounts that aren't bringing you joy at the moment so that would be my food for thought well Catherine um, what a wonderful and excellent task actually to set all of our listeners to finish this episode on thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today thanks for having me thank you so much for listening to food for thought It really is amazing to know there's such a craving to hear from expert voices in a world full of confusing advice. If you enjoyed this episode, you will absolutely love what's coming next week, so please make sure you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. And please, if you have time, do leave a five-star review. It really does help to get our podcast out there to reach higher highs in the charts and hopefully help more and more people. For more information about my nutrition clinic, books, healthy recipes, events, retreats, and so much more, please visit nutrition.com and follow me at nutrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> 